Hello, and welcome to the State of Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Greg McGee, and I'm joined as always by Jay Reed. Jay, of course, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well today, Greg. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. Uh, you know, you know uh, it's been a long day on social media. There's a lot of things going on uh, that uh, don't have to do with video games today. Uh, so, uh, other than that, pretty good day. Uh, you know, some of that stuff puts things, uh, makes you put things back into perspective uh, of how things are and stuff like that. So, definitely. Uh, other than that, doing pretty good. Um, uh, I haven't really played too many different games uh, since we last spoke. I've been trying to delve more into the division. Uh, which I think last spoke I was about level eight last week. I'm uh, like fifteen, I think now maybe, which is the halfway mark. At thirty is whenever you're maxed out for your regular uh, story mode level, uh, and then uh, there is a dark zone level, which is uh, where all the nasty things that happen in video games happen in that world. Um, I I came it earlier to on Twitter uh, to like the wild west of like modern day shooters. Uh, it is uh, and and. In the division, what you are is you're a federal agent, uh, kind of like a sleeper agent. Uh, when you know shit hits the fan, you get called in. Uh, what's gone uh, down in Manhattan uh, area, New York, all that stuff. Um, so kind of deadly virus has taken uh, so many lives. They're, you know, made mass graves at Central Park. All this terrible stuff that's going on, and it's it's infection related, right? Uh, so what you're doing is you're going in trying to find data. Uh, to help find a cure as well as save civilians and things like that. Uh, in the midst of that, there are people that take advantage of that. Uh, you know, armed armed individuals uh, took took heed of most of the supplies and things like that, power generators, things like that. So you're going back to take those things back piece by piece. Uh, what happens as you eventually go is there's this giant red zone on your map. It's called Dark Zone. When you first start, it's very ominous. You have no idea what it is. They don't really mention it. Uh, what it is is uh, let me let me back up. When you're playing the regular campaign game in the regular part of the map that's not red, uh, you can do co-op up to four players. There's no friendly fire. You can shoot your your buddy and it might go right through him, or it might you know it might make the impact, but nothing happens to him. When you go to dark zone, uh, that all, all bets are off. Uh, you know if you're in a group, you can still friendly fire, I think, but it it doesn't. Uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it's not a huge penalty. It's not like you're doing real-time bullets. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, unlike uh, in the dark zone, that, that's that's why I went went back to talk about this. Was in in the in the campaign, the co-op stuff. There's no other players. If you're not in a party, you don't see any other people playing that game at all. If you go into the dark zone, you see everybody that's on that server in that area in the dark zone in that area, and wow. it's a huge area. So there's different different levels like this part of the dark zone in the bottom right corner is like level 10 through 12 and then beyond that is 12 through 16 and so on and so forth and it goes up to level 99 uh, wow. so it's a very large area and from my understanding it gets very intense later on uh, and this is the only spot you can find like the really good uh you know weapons the good uh armor stuff like that as well and the armor consists of knee pads elbow pads uh holsters helmets uh, your chest, uh, like your bulletproof, uh, your, 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 your ballistic vest and your backpack. Uh, and you can mod all your stuff, you know, to add, uh, you know, different clips, magazines, uh, different things that your items can do, your armor can do. Uh, and all those things can be found in the dark zone, like top tier stuff will be found in the dark zone. I see. So what you do is you can do little missions and have little skirmishes there and you'll pick up nice drops from the enemies. Well, the only way you can keep those drops, because they're in a contaminated area, that's what the dark zone is, it's still contaminated, so everything that's there, 
uh, you know, it's like a Chernobyl. Anything that's there still has radiation on it kind of deal, right? Everything that was in that infection zone still has infection on it. So you have to uh, get uh, a helicopter to come in to, uh, what's, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the word. I'm going to miss the word here. Whenever you're trying to carry out a supply uh, out, uh, you know, like, like you're trying to, the helicopter drops down, you call in uh, the, the little evac and you put your, your materials on there. So it could be your, your, you know, your weapons, your armor, Anything, uh, any of your mods that you pick up, and they're all, you know, blue, purple weapons that are really good. And while that's happening, anybody else in that zone who's a real player uh, will come and either attack you as well as the AI is still going uh, going strong in there as well. It's some of the toughest enemies you'll face at the level you're at, uh, and they come in huge, huge hordes uh, while, they're, while you're trying to extract. That's the word I'm looking for. You look to extract your, your, your care package is what it is. Uh, and again, if you're in a group of four, all four of you can can strap your stuff on there. While you've got that on there, they can knock that down and take all your stuff as well as kill you. Uh, I, every time, uh, almost every time we were doing, uh, I was with a group at one point, we were doing a care package. We end up, because if, if you're talking in a party, uh, you know, just in a group, the people around you can hear you. If, if you have the perk where you can hear further, people that are in the dark zone can hear you further, like maybe two or three blocks over. Uh-huh. So if you say, hey, let's go to the drop zone to extract our stuff, I've, I can't tell you how many times people followed us over there, set up camp, we watched them. We watched them get the higher ground, and we try and counter it, stuff like that. And as soon as that stuff goes, all, all hell breaks loose. And then you have other groups that aren't even involved with that come over. Uh, they have people from scouts with different groups that, that uh, kind of follow you around and don't do anything, and then all of a sudden you're surrounded by their group and they take all your stuff. Uh, and vice versa, right? Like it's 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 really whatever you want to do. Um, so I mean, it's it, it's a great time. It's it's good. That is most definitely to me a very unique experience. I, I haven't had that. The intensity that goes on in the dark zone is very unique to itself. Uh, just uh, because you know maybe you haven't grouped up with this guy and he's helping you out for like twenty minutes, and then all of a sudden he turns on you. You know, or just the impending doom of you see people that uh, are higher level than you. Uh, take up the you know the higher positions on the roof and <laughs> and things like that. You know your hose. There's not much you can do. Uh, so it's just it makes for intense gaming. It's good times. Uh, I went online before I got into it, and there was a lot of mixed stuff about people complaining about how the drops work and uh, you know some of the imbalance of how people hose you over and things like that. But aside from the drop stuff, which yeah. I haven't had issues with, uh, that kind of seems like that is the hook to that, right? Like is the the uh, the unpredictability of it all. You can't guess what, you know, Joe Blow's going to do next to you. How do you know your guy in your party isn't going to drop out and turn on you? That happened to me as well. Uh, yeah. You know, it was just a random matchup. We had four people who were going for about 30 minutes. He dropped out of the group. He's still in the dark zone, and he took us out, took our stuff, and left. Never saw him again. So, you know, that that makes it for, for a fun experience, which is very unique. Uh... I guess we kind of went into what we're playing this week. Uh, Jay, what have you been into? That's pretty much all I've spent my time with is is that, and then like a couple of Mario games, which is nothing uh, outstanding. Uh, well, before, what, what about you? Oh, I was gonna say before we yeah. get into mine, I wanted I wanted to ask you real fast. Now that now, now that you've put you know a sizable a little amount of time into the division, just the overall core game, the progression system, the loot drops, all those things. I mean, what's just what's been your general vibe about that experience so far on a personal level? I mean, do you think it's fun? Are you hooked into it, or it's something you could take or leave? Yeah, you know, just because, you know, I'm still not at that in-game content, right? Like, whenever I was playing, I, a lot of people compare Division to Destiny, and Destiny is something I played from beginning to end. I got really into the story. 
Uh, I'm one of those defenders that, uh, you know, read all the codex stuff that they gave you to read, right, uh, in the app that attached to it. Uh, so I was satisfied with that, but I also understand the complaint with that. Uh, what The Division does, it has a cohesive story that actually makes you interested in what's going on in that world. So it, it, the, I hate to say the immersion is better there, uh, but it's more believable. You have a more connection of what's going on. It's more more visceral, I guess. Plus you see the sick people walking down the street, the dead bodies everywhere, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, in regards to like the progression and things like that, it's 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 very satisfying, uh, you know, because I'm not at that top level. I'm not thirsting for like the level 99, you know, ACR or whatever gun I'm looking for, you know, those kind of things. So I don't have that knowledge to even look for that stuff. Uh, I'm so just, it's just it's just not a part of your experience, and you get to just sort of enjoy it organically. Exactly, and 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 in that respect, I've enjoyed it completely. I was thinking this earlier today. I was like, would I pay sixty? Because it's it's a GameFly game for me. Would I pay sixty dollars for the division, uh, knowing what I know about it now? And the answer is yes. I happily paid sixty dollars for the Destiny. I got like thirty, sixty hours, something like. I know that's a huge discrepancy. I got a lot of time out of that game. Uh, I could see myself getting a lot of time out of the division as well. Uh, the the Dark Zone is just really fun and, and unique uh, to 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 third-person shooters for me as a historically console player. I've played some games on PC, but not shooters and things like that. Uh, just I'm I'm not good with the the mouse and keyboard. Uh, so in regards to that, I, I it's very addicting. It's very gratifying. Uh, it's an outstanding game. Uh, you know if if once you get to that in-game content, some of those gripes might be valid. They might not be. All depends what kind of experience you're looking for, what kind of player you are, right? Uh, but for exactly. me, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm sold on it. Like the the kind of player I am, whatever that means, that's it, it fits. It, it scratches my itch. And I'm not a real big uh, modern day shooter. Like I'm kind of worn out on that uh, that idea. Uh, yeah. It's not like the story or anything like that is super unique. They fall into tropes and cliches, but they're they're not badly done, right? Like they're like oh eye rolling stuff. Uh, it's just, oh, okay, this is the next beat. This is nothing outstanding or horrible. You know, the writing's good. Uh, and again, compared to Destiny, which is a very good comparison to how that game feels and plays and the way it levels up in your armor and stuff. Uh, to to compare those two, it, it seems... Um, I don't know, it, it, they... The... Division just seems like a more cohesive experience altogether from the way everything ties in with the multiplayer... Uh, to the single-player content, to just the overall fiction of the world. It's a much more cohesive experience, uh, and that's much more enjoyable as a consumer. Uh, I don't have to go read hours of Codex uh, stuff out of an app to understand why I'm attacking some planet in Destiny, or who, you know, this weird, you know, alien is, whatever the, you know, whatever it was. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Definitely very, very gratifying, very satisfying game uh, to play. Uh, if, if you for some reason get it on a discount, I know they have some discounts right now with that uh, game Summer Sale, uh, but I think that's mainly for their DLC stuff. Uh, still most definitely worth worth a try if you've got the time. It looks like it'd be a good, you know, 40, 40 plus hours of time to be sunk into to get to that in-game content and kind of chew. Not just like getting to level 99 of the Dark Zone, but chewing through it for a good while. Definitely. Uh, be, be worth it. Yeah, definitely worth the $60. Did I answer your question? Oh no, yes, perfectly. Oh, okay. I mean, you I you know I came into it. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, you. I mean, I was actually afraid I might have even made it a little bit too complex and combined 
too many questions in a way I tend to, and you, you actually handled it gracefully and perfectly answered all the questions. Sure. So say now I'm actually looking forward to trying that game, whereas before I kind of walled it off in my mind was, you know, like might eventually get around to this, but it's not a high probability. Whereas now in my mind, after the glowing recommendation, you just gave it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's sort of in the same playing field as Quantum Break and Doom. You know, in terms of games, I'm definitely going to play. Well, well, you know, I I find what's indicative of of what's going on with games like uh, that are semi like a mix of MMO and story based things, uh, just in general, multiplayer, right? Like just the sometimes hiccups they have on launch, uh, like the first month, they've got to iron that stuff out. So, my experience being like a two or three month. later on you know, to, to play the game later on if they fix a lot of those issues i'm sure because there were a lot of issues with division when it first came out uh, i remember seeing article after article of you know different patches they were doing very soon and different issues that were going on i couldn't specify i wasn't too interested to go click on those articles but i read the headlines right like i i, I retain some of that uh so uh to you know probably have the day one experience and then probably being leveled up as high as you are now i probably would be a little bit tainted as well with the probably way they've handled out and doling out the content uh you know or something that's supposed to, that that people the way can people consume content uh to wait three three four months out after the game launches to roll out the first dlc seems seems kind of asinine right like we bought into this we want that content and you knew lots of quick. people were going to grind and right. you know get to- to the end game stuff relatively quickly within the first couple of weeks. If like not they months. always do. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, w- when you hear the your perception of that, sometimes it might be tainted from that day one experience. But if you're hopping on board now, it, see, it, it, it was, it's been smooth for me. I've had no issues. There's been a couple of times where I've been doing something and it, and like the server dropped out or something like that, but it was nothing huge deal. You just respawn a few feet away from where you were kind of deal. So, uh, nothing that was, you know, uh, Something that tainted my day or something like that. So, yeah, I'm glad to times. hear it. Good times. You've been anything new? You still? Uh, you've been doing any more of the uh, the escapists? Um, actually, no. Ironically enough, since I gave it that glowing recommendation last week's episode, I haven't actually played any of the escapists because you know we, we talk about it on the show all the time in this world of service based games. I mean, there's certainly, you know, as we've talked about a ton on the show, there are like, you know, our comfort food games, the games that we play on a regular basis, like Rocket League. But outside of that, what I'm kind of noticing about myself is I'm sort of going with the flow of whatever has new content coming. So what I've actually been playing a lot of in the last couple of days is I've been playing a lot of Halo 5. But Halo 5 last week added Firefight, you know, which was the big mode that was originally introduced in either, I want to say Halo ODST. ODST, yes, sir. No, no, ODST. Exactly. Exactly. So they they added a, you know, they did did a beta a couple of months ago and it got a really good reception. So now they finally added the full mode to the game. So I've been playing a lot of Halo 5 Firefight, of course, a lot of Forza Motorsport 6. Mortal Kombat XL, so you know a lot of the usual suspects. But I've been uh, that, and then also I've been playing The Long Dark, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the show before. That also got a huge update this last week, in which they you know overhauled the game and added a bunch of new content. So you know a lot of the stuff that I'm like I said I I gravitate to now is like things that are like piping in new content. So it's like Rocket League is getting all these new patches and. Adding new maps, new stuff. Halo, new maps, new stuff. The Long Dark, new new stuff. So, you know that that if outside of the things that I'm definitively like, I wake up 
a certain day, I come home a certain day, and I want to play this. If I don't have that vibe, it's something, you know, that's what usually pushes me to play something. Oh, okay, they have new content out. Let's go check that out. Also, how much time you have to play something, right? If you just have, like, 15 minutes to sit down, you can get in a couple matches of Rocket League going about your day versus sitting down trying to play a little bit of Halo that's going to eat up the whole time one match, you know, so... Exactly. Yeah, you know, that, that kind of depicts what's going on as well. Uh, now, a couple of things uh, uh, that pop up in my mind. First, Rocket League, uh, they're doing their uh, national championship, I think, within the next coming week or two or something like that, their international championship. Uh, I've watched none of it. I'm not a real big esports guy. I plan on at least trying to tune in on Twitch or wherever it's being streamed at to check that out. Are, are you going to watch any of that? Definitely. I'm probably not going to watch it live. I mean, I think... I'm kind of over, you know, because just, you know, I've been spoiled by the world of Netflix and Hulu Plus on-demand content. So I'm just like I do now. I mean, Evo was the one event I usually watched everything live. And even that now I'm kind of at the point I like to just wait for for them to put it up on YouTube, have all of it. And I can just, you know, stop and go watch it at my own pace. So I'm I'm definitely going to watch it. I don't know how much of it. But probably once it's on demand on Twitch and or YouTube, I'm more likely to go check it out and, you know, kind of just have it at my own pace versus, you know, having to fit into a schedule. Now, you know, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a glaring difference between, like, the average player's ability to play Rocket League and then seeing people that are proficient in it. Definitely. No, yes. that, that's the primary appeal for, of it for me is that, is that I'm really curious to see. You know, just like, again, for the sale, a lot of the same reasons I watch Evo and I watch a lot of, like, other competitive sports leagues is that I'm always fascinated to see, particularly with games that I play, other people take those same, you know, tools and then just watch what they can create with it. Because even though I'm never going to be those people, it sort of just opens your mind up to what's possible. And there's a lot of things, especially in fighting games, that I'll try or think about just because I've seen someone do it and approach it that way. So it changes my approach and expands it. And, and then, you know, much like life, you know, once you attempt something like that, if you accomplish it and, and are able to mimic that, uh, you know, it, it's something like a video game, right? Like something comparable, right? I'm not talking about, you know, complete college. It's not the, it's not the same. I'm not making that kind of comparison. Uh, but uh, the, the idea of like, uh, like, for example, Rocket League, they, they, there are people that are able to uh, jettison themselves up in the air and come down at the right time way before it looks like even they know where the ball is going and will like slam dunk that shit in the, in the goal. It's a soccer field. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's incredible. The, the amount of skill and timing people have for that. Uh, and, well, that's something I've worked on. I'm not to that proficient level, but I've got it down a little bit where I've, I've got some, some pretty decent contact. I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that. Uh, you know, it, it's just comparable to, you know, once you see somebody play at a proficient level, you realize, Oh, that's something you can even do. I didn't even consider, uh, jettisoning myself up into the air uh, with my rocket boost in the, in the soccer race car game. It just didn't enter my mind. But uh, at this point, you have to, uh, because people have kind of adapted that, you have to adapt to that because it's so predominant now. Exactly. Um, to move on to the second uh, thing that uh, will help us move on with the topic as well, as you mentioned, Halo. Uh, over the years, Halo has come under scrutiny, I think, once they uh, hand over the reins to... Uh, oh, no, no, no brownie points for me. Who's the studio working on? It's not 343. It's not 343 doing the the work. Who who is the studio that does Halo now? The actual Halo campaign and franchise. Oh no, that would be 343. You were correct. Oh, okay. Bungie was the original team. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I'm on point. Okay. Exactly. So uh, when 343 took the reins, uh, which was Halo Four, correct? That is correct. I mean, technically they 
I guess they originally kind of grandfathered them in. I guess they yeah. started doing the DLC maps for Halo Reach. Right. And then that that led to, you know, they Bungie did Halo Reach. But they outsourced some of the map design for the mall for the DLC stuff to three four three to kind of like get them you know comfortable with their code and everything they do, and that was kind of like you know what led to them eventually becoming the caretakers of the Halo franchise. So as the series has gone on, they've uh, added different uh, main protagonists. So far, it's been just uh, mainly Master Chief, uh, Sergeant uh, Cigar. What's his name? Spartan Lock. <laughs> what? No, the, oh, uh, the the guy who carries around the cigar for the first oh, Sar- three games. Sergeant Johnson. Yeah, Sergeant Johnson. There was Sergeant Johnson and then Cortana mainly, right? And then the, exactly. the, uh, the old man for the, the chief for the first two games. Aside from that, there hasn't been a whole lot of other diversity to the game. Uh, you know, even the soldiers for the most part uh, were, were, were all white, things like that as well. As the series has, has gone on. They've they've added to that, right? Like they've added uh, women Spartans. They've added uh, the the uh, really gone into the story of the woman who created Master Chief, Doctor uh, Halsey. Right, uh, and they've also added. Uh, I, I know in Halo Five, uh, I know they have uh, a, a black male. I feel like there's uh, another another person or ethnicity there uh, in their crew, but I may be wrong on that. Uh, can you are you more accurate with with the campaign storyline for the Halo Five or? I actually didn't finish it, but I mean, I've played enough of it. I remember the mm-hmm. characters. I think you're referring to Blue Team, which is Spartan Locke, which is Buck, who was in ODST originally as an ODST. And then there oh, are two, okay. there's Sergeant the Vale. Exactly. Yeah, that's Buck. Same Buck. And the same voice actor, too. Right on. And then there's Vale, and she's, um, I'm, I always get, you know, the, the two female names mixed up. One is done by Amanda Bailey, the voice, and then the other one, I think it's a woman, but it's also an African-American woman. So on that team, you have two African-Americans and you have two women. And correct me if I'm wrong, one of the women has a prosthetic arm? Uh, I think that's correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, over the years, they've they've been a little more inclusive with their story, uh, which, which always, anytime that happens, it sparks the conversation or controversy, if you will. Uh, online of uh, people feeling like uh, in- inclusiveness, uh, whether it be you know people that are handicapped, uh, putting a woman uh, on the cover or as the main protagonist or a person of color. Uh, recently with Mafia 3, that, that's been very uh, evident as well. Uh, uh, with uh, like a Assassin's Creed, uh, a couple of years ago, they you know one of the comments was it's harder to animate women. Uh, which uh, you can go into that debate a little bit, but I'm just saying, you know, as far as just, uh, you know, quotes and things like that, as far as where, where we're at. Um, so there's, there's been issues and, and along the way, there's been a lot of pushback and a lot of push forward, uh, for diversity, inclusion in games as a whole. Uh, I, I feel like it's a, a, a right step in the direction to want to include people of color, uh, to include different pe- people of different ba- backgrounds, uh, whether that means their their handicap, uh, maybe a different religion. Uh, you know, not not all brown people with beards need to be terrorists in video games. Uh, you know, they 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 play other roles in society, and I feel video games should reflect that. Uh, not all women in real life are you know uh, toothpick thin and you know have big breasts and wear scanty clad armor everywhere. Uh, and and if they do. You know that that doesn't mean that they're lesser of a person or that they're not, not allowed to, right? Like there's no nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with being fully clothed either. Uh, but 
uh, when it comes off as disingenuine uh, or just something to uh, shoehorn uh, an audience for what's uh, almost a cliche of what people want at this point, uh, it, it comes off as as it's something not genuine. It, it, it seems fake. It's kind of obvious to tell nowadays. Uh, but I feel it's important to to continue to push uh, in in that direction of of including everybody. And when we do you know fiction about video games or movies, TV, we need to be inclusive of of all kinds of people to better represent the kind of world we live in. Like everywhere you go, you know, there's different people of ethnicities, uh, uh, religions, uh, physical abilities and disabilities. Uh, throughout the world, and, and uh, you know, it's not just uh, something we face here in the states. Uh, it's all obviously a very a pressing issue here, uh, as uh, you and I live here in the states. Uh, I won't specify where, uh, in case any crazy people out there. But you know that 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 is an issue that that is being dealt with globally as far as being inclusive and welcoming of the idea that other people, other than straight white men, uh, can be the role or the lead in something. Um, as, as a whole, I feel like that's that's a good direction to go. Uh, before we get into the specifics of that, Jay, as a whole, how do you feel about uh, diversity in games being inclusive to, to, to many different approaches to life? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a really big question, so I'm going to just go ahead and just mm-hmm. unpack it, just, you know, one little piece at a time. Please. I think just overall, I think we're definitely coming a long way. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, with Mafia 3, with Watch Dogs 2, with, um, you know, Sony has a couple of games this year. I mean, of course, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, especially where it looks like, you know, the main character is a woman. So we're we're definitely making some strides and some progress. And I think, you know, that stuff definitely deserves recognition, whether or not, you know, I mean, right now these games are slated for fall releases, whether or not these games go on to be, you know, critical success or financial success, I think just in a vacuum, it's always great to give recognition to the people behind the scenes who, you know, had the stones to be able to take those risks. So first and foremost, that's, you know, the biggest point of emphasis I wanted to make. Right. Just shout out to everybody in those, you know, positions of power who green light, even if you, you know, weren't supportive or weren't on board, were weary of taking that risk. The people who green lighted those decisions and made it possible. I mean, definitely, you know, thank you. And I am appreciative to those people for that and then just when you're talking about gaming as a whole macro i think it's you know it's it's, it's always a fluid thing i mean just like with film and with television and with books and with everything else is the unfortunate part of just humanity is that there's always prejudices and that there are always different for the sake of this conversation you know houses that we live in intellectually and emotionally that are our comfort zones and you know a lot of those things in some cases tend to be be the same for everybody most people food is a comfort zone entertainment and sports video games television film or comfort zones you know those are things that are societal norms pretty much across the world but then there are other things like you were talking about with you know white male leads versus women versus minorities versus children versus elderly people that were not as accustomed to sort of being in their shoes and immersing in that way and i think those things still make a lot of people independent of, you know, your race or your sex or, you know, perspective make a lot of people still uncomfortable. And I think those kinds of things are a large, you know, contributor to the people behind the scenes, publishers and developers when they're 
in production and they're crafting these characters and these stories and they're in the writer's room trying to decide, you know, where they want to go with their story. I'm sure those things, you know, come into play. It's like anything else. You want to make, you know, the best and most interesting and fun product possible. But at the same time, it always kind of is that situation where it's where the rubber meets the road, you know, where you want to do something that's new, that's never been done before, that's fun, and that's also successful. So, well, you know, the necessary evil of that in today's world is you have to, you know, reach the widest audience to be able to do that. And that inherently sort of creates problems with all of these things. Like, I always make these jokes. It's like, if anything, I mean, just for example, anything you eat or drink or watch, if it had to appeal to every single breathing person on Earth, how little we would have ever gotten to enjoy and experience with everything, if everything had to be in that prism. And it's like when you think about things in that context, it's really easy to see why these problems exist in the first place. Because in a lot of cases, you know, it's not negative or ill will sentiment or in some, you know, some cases there's racism and prejudice. Those things are definitely there. But I think in more cases, it's just, you know, that fear of change and wanting to stick with what has been long since established and successful because you want to have the most successful game possible. You know, so I think what, you know, that stuff is, you know, the the primary component of this issue. What, you want to say something? No, no, you're, you're, you're fine. Go ahead. I'm, I'm making notes over here so I can I can go on here in a moment. I've, I've actually literally drawn a pin on one of my notes to go over here in a moment. <laughs> so you're, you're good, man. You're really okay. good, yeah. So, you know, as, as, as far as the industry as a whole, you know, like I said, it, it very much like every other entertainment medium, it sort of fluctuates. It goes up and down. You know, we have some years, like, again, like a year, year like this year could be held up as a banner year maybe even you know for especially for like women in games last year with rise of the tomb raider and submerged you know there were some great shining examples last year some great shining examples this year but you know it always comes back to the thing when there are hundreds or thousands of games being made a year and it's like you know we're technically making progress it's like we still have such a long way to go and it's like you know like we talk about all the time on the show with sales and with games and reception and perception all these things come back to what works and it's like that's you know the the secret but not really so secret of just how everything is made is people in boardrooms are looking and seeing okay this sold well this didn't sell well (laughs) this formula sells well you know and those are the kind of things that are the determining factor of how pretty much everything gets made so it's you know so important, you know, for people, you know, I mean, of course, I would get, I'm never going to recommend someone who has zero interest in a particular kind of game go spend their money on something. But it's like if you're someone who has interest in shooters or, you know, action, adventure and drama and story, I mean, I would definitely recommend people, you know, interested in those things to go try Mafia 3 this fall, go try Watch Dogs 2, you know, or Horizon Zero Dawn, any of the, you know, even games that have already released like Rise of the Tomb Raiders like go support these games that are taking these risks because just like everything else we talk about all the time it's like you have to vote with with your wallet and it's you know that's what people in power positions can see so you know it has helped so much over the years that things like Tomb Raider have been the breakout success that they've been that the Grand Theft Auto games I mean when we're talking about women in video games I mean I'm, I'm thinking about it out loud in my head I mean of course you got Laura Croft, I think of Bonnie McFarland in Red Dead Redemption, who was an amazing character. Elizabeth Torres in Grand Theft Auto 4 was an amazing character. 
beyond good and evil. I mean, of course. I mean, exactly. you know, you know Bioshock it, it, Infinite. Uh, you know, that's one of the notes I made. The important part about this conversation we have it is that nobody's saying these things don't exist somewhere, that they're not there, you know, sprinkled in somewhere. Uh, the, the conversation that, that I tend to, that what I take away from, maybe it's just my perception and, and my, my I mean, I'm making wild and rash assumptions here, but usually when that conversation is taking place, it's not saying that these games don't exist or they haven't, uh, we don't have examples of this successfully working or even not successfully, not being successful. Uh, what the conversation usually goes to is that we want to do a better job of it. We want to be more inclusive. If there's exactly. room for it, do it. If it goes against how the story is supposed to play out and things like that, then don't do it. Nobody wants you to exactly. shoehorn something in or force you to do it. But the conversation is usually, you know, why not? And if it's not a good reason as to why not, other than because, you know, the demographics say that, you know, more more ladies like, like uh, you know, Nathan Drake. You know, that that's that's not what, you know, we, we need to... Uh, be more perceptive. The only way that that is going to make a change is by by doing it, uh, by sticking to it, uh, and making a stand for that. And that's hard to do when you're looking at uh, being bought out by uh, is it? It's not Viacom, is it? What what company? Ubisoft. Who, who's Ubisoft? Yeah. Vivendi. Vivendi. Thank you. Uh, you know, when you're looking to ha- to be bought out, you know, are you going to take those risks? Are you going to do what uh, the internet masses say to do? Or are you going to go with the you know the the safe route? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things on the table for a lot of different uh, developers and publishers uh, that, that are wanting to meet quotas so they can feed their families as much as continue to do what they want to do for a living. Uh, you know, it's not a slide against them. I get it. Uh, if, you know, if something gets rejected and you've tried and tried and it, it doesn't work, you, you're doing your job regardless, right? So exactly. it's not that everybody in those places are always complacent with these things or don't have the idea to speak up or maybe they don't have the opportunity to. Uh, but regardless... Uh, and that's just for, 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 you know, big publishers. A lot of the risks we see right now are happening on the, the indie side. And that's been going on for years, uh, from talking about depression, trying to break the stigmas of, uh, of mental illness, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, papers, please get stoned around that conversation a lot. Uh, I've heard about that for, for, for a couple of years. I think, I think that was a couple of years ago, uh, that came out. That was, that was very heavy for people, um, as well as uh, Gone Home. Uh, yeah, that was what I thought of. Was, was, was another one. There are a ton. I'm not really, you know, versed. Uh, when I was more into doing, uh, you know, reporting on video games and news and things like that, when I was actually writing stuff, I was a little more vested into that. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, uh, of, of games out there that, that use game mechanics to help drive point to home. Or drive, drive home the point, not point home. Uh, of, of, you know certain issues and things like that. And I think that's great. Uh, and then there are other times where people just want to play as something that uh, is representative of them. Exactly. Uh, right. So, um, you know, the game doesn't necessarily have to be about a certain issue. It can just be uh, something that lets somebody, you know, be maybe they want to have somebody that wears a turban like them. Uh, you know, maybe they're Sikh and they, they like playing video games. They want to have a turban on when they go play, uh, you know, Spelunky. Uh, you know, I, I had a friend uh, on Twitter years back that uh, when that game came out, they had a guy wearing a turban, and he was that, that was the bee's knees for him. Uh, you know, from watching TV and movies and things like that, there's not a whole lot of people wearing turbans that are uh, non-threatening and stuff like that. They're usually in a, a neutral or good light. Uh, so exactly. he was very excited to see that. 
Um, and he was an adult by the time he saw that. So, you know, having that experience, you know, that's something I'm not privy to. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a white, I'm a white male, uh, you know, I had a lot of, uh, easy roads throughout my life. You know, when I played football, I got uh, you know, easy grades because, uh, I played football in high school and that stuff, you know, that kind of stuff, it's, you know, the, the stereotypical things that happen, uh, getting off tickets and things like that as well, just different experience than what I have of watching a Saturday morning cartoon for years and never seeing somebody that I can see myself in. Uh, I've, I've never had to experience that. Uh, so when we talk about this, you know, the, the issue is, is more expensive as to, you know, we're not doing a horrible job of it, but it could be done better. We could be more inclusive. Uh, those risks are currently being taken in the indie, indie side. And I think for triple A's, uh, to fall suit for that, which I've said this numerous times before, and this is not an original thought. I'm sure you've heard this. Uh, some of the material you gave for the show notes, uh, had the same idea, but it's going to be the indie dev, especially with the weight they pull nowadays. Uh, to exactly. to make those changes because Ubisoft uh, or Ubisoft EA they're not really going to take those those risks because it doesn't pay off uh, for them um, when you're looking at covering you know healthcare things like that and I'm not giving them a free pass for that by any means that's not what that means by you know they have healthcare to pay for so they can you know do whatever they want they're not included in this conversation they are a big part of this conversation. Now, one thing, just because we're speaking of different uh, publishers and devs and things like that, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, and I mentioned as well, just some of the, the content that we're used to uh, is a straight white male, is because when we look at, at the percentages of developers, a large majority of the developers, not all of them, but a large majority are white men. Uh, so when you're coming up with a story, you know, if you close your eyes and think of the average person, you're probably going to think of something that reflects more to yourself. Uh, versus thinking of a African-American woman if I am a 35-year-old white male. You know what I mean? You're just not going to have that. So when you're imagining exactly. the story and how it plays out and the people that are included, it's not that you're deliberately trying to exclude people. It's just that you don't have that experience to think, hey, I should include somebody else that could identify with this character here as well uh, and flesh them out to a cohesive point. Uh, and you know, Fleshing a ca- out a character that topic comes up a lot too i've hit on a lot of points here jay i'm sorry uh that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be stereotypical they just have to be a person uh you, you know a lot of people are like oh it's hard to put a woman in because it puts so much pressure on us to get things right and da, 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 da. like no like that's the thing like women are people too like they're just like guys and women are like we have emotions and feelings and react to things uh all vastly different but exactly. all within the same spectrum right of like the same kind of emotions um, so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just kind of breaking down those barriers and, and getting past those walls of number one, having more inclusive, inviting, uh, industry that lets those people in and, and, and harnesses that talent and lets it grow, uh, and listens to, you know, to some of those creative risks. Uh, the, the other part of that is to, you know, if, if you don't know, go find out, like go read a book. If you, if you go, you don't have a co-worker you can go ask about, go, go read a book. The internet is great. It's free if you have a Wi-Fi connection. Um, you know, to me, there's not a lot of excuses nowadays when people say, oh, we, we didn't want to do that subject wrong or uh, we didn't want to delve into it, into that aspect and things like that. It, it just it seems like a very poor excuse, very sad excuse. Uh, at this point, Jay, I've rambled on about a lot of topics. Uh, how how do you feel do 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 you feel uh, that 
I guess uh, to to move the, the 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 conversation forward, how how would you how do you think I guess people are react to diversity in general? Uh, is it something that they're apprehensive to because they don't want to play as a woman? Do they see women as inferior as a social norm? Uh, is it? Uh, I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So for that question, I mean, I think you know it is of course naturally very complex, but I think just at its core, I think most people. I mean, I think there are definitely you know some bigoted people out there, some closed-minded people who, who I want to play as myself, or I want to play as people who look like me or who think like I do. But I think for the most part, I think most people. I don't think it runs that deep in terms of, you know, an incendiary or a negative feeling about necessarily playing as a woman or someone of another ethnicity. But I think what a lot of it comes down to and a lot of the backlash for something like Mafia 3, when you saw the backlash from people, I mean, I spent months combing through comment sections and just reading what people had to say. And 70, 80 percent of the dialogue and the feedback was, you know, the Mafia is Italian the other two Mafia games are centered around the Italian mob, and technically Mafia 3 is as well. I want to play as an Italian. And, you know, that is in and of itself, you know, a fair point. And if that's, you know, your preference, that's your preference. But I think the core of that issue sort of coincides with what the larger issue is. It's just that, like I talked about before, it's about comfort zones. So I think for everybody, independent of your ethnicity, independent of your gender and your age, we're all used to playing as white male leads in video games, seeing them in our films. So it's like this thing I've heard, you know, characterize a ton and I think it's accurate. It's about blankness. If you're a white male lead in a movie or a video game, you don't even think of, if you see Nathan Drake or you see Marcus Phoenix or any of these characters, you don't, you don't ever think about it because that's what you're so everyone, everyone right. independent of who you are is accustomed to. Whereas, you know, when, they showed the the movie trailer for that movie Creed, which was, you know, like a spinoff to the Rocky movies, and it's like the lead character is black. There were millions of people, independent of what your ethnicity, gender, age, oh, hey, a black guy. There are millions of people, you know, today when Marvel announced that, you know, they're rebooting the Iron Man comic books and the lead's going to be an African-American woman. There are millions of people who turn their heads at that. <laughs> and it's like, so it's like, with anything that isn't the norm, you're already sort of at a disadvantage because people are comfortable. A lot of people are comfortable with what they've already been playing and they kind of want to stay in that wheelhouse. They don't want to be what they feel like forced to come out of it. You were going to respond? Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't get that. Like uh, the, for, for, for two reasons. Number one, nobody's forcing you to do anything. If, if it's not exactly. a product you want to buy, don't, don't go buy it. Stick to your old stories. It's not, you know, like you look at Ghostbusters, you look at when Thor uh, got replaced by a woman uh, Captain America got replaced by a black guy. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, Miss Marvel uh, is, uh, I, I believe, a Muslim. Kamala Khan. Uh, you know, there's uh, comic books have, have done a pretty decent job here recently of of trying to at least Marvel, anyways. I don't know about DC. I, I just because I don't I don't read that. I'm not being exclusionary there, or picking on them or calling them out. Uh, but you know, they they they've attempted to to move that that needle forward a little bit, and. Every time it's it's the same deal. It, I, I I don't I don't understand what 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 the big deal is. Like it's it's just part of the story. Like when they do this, they're not like erasing what's happened. It's usually like in an alternate universe. Like they they deal with it in a comic book way. It doesn't trash or dispose of the old stuff that you've been reading. It builds upon that and grows that universe more. It just happens. This person represents. A, another percentage of a person in the world that is not white that you're not used to, 
Uh, you know, the same people that get upset with that shit uh, are the same ones that, you know, say we're all just human, we're all one people. Well, if, if, if that's the case, then then what's the difference? Then why, why does it bother you to play as a, or, or read a comic book or play as a, a black a black woman? To, to play as uh, or, or, or be uh, a Muslim American uh, who is a hero uh, for Pete's sake. You know what I mean? I, I don't get it. Uh, th- there's always been a disconnect for me there. I, you know, I, I just, I mean, I guess I understand it, right? Like it's, it's just uh, misinformation uh, being re- reinforced over, you know, time, uh, whether that be generations or, or societal uh, that, that, that get in there. But the 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 comfort zone people have with with what they want uh, or what they think the the way things should be, uh, and then the poor reaction they have is is most def- definitely polarizing uh, at times. You know, I don't know if it's you know if if people felt like this a long time ago uh, and didn't speak up on it, or if it's because uh, we never heard it because uh, they didn't have the internet to to be heard on. Right? Like you can go on Twitter and see millions of people. Uh, saying racist, horrible things about Mafia Three, uh, sexist things about uh, you know the Ghostbusters remake. Like that, a new movie is not shitting on your old movie. Like you still have that. Uh, you know your your old Captain America. He's still there. Nobody's poo pooing on that. Like it's still there. Uh, you know your your I can't think of anything right now. Your your Mafia Three protagonist uh, is black. Like it. it it, it, it doesn't change anything. You, you're trying to tell me that there weren't other people of other ethnicities and races trying to get into the mob? Like that, that doesn't seem rational. I, I, I know that's not a fact. Like, yeah, yeah, it was Italian run, but that doesn't mean other people weren't in the mob. So just the practi- for the practicality of the Mafia 3 and that argument, I, I just don't understand it. Uh, I mean, of course, which you can, like we always talk about, it's like you always have to remind yourself that at the core of this, it's always irration. At the core of this, for people, it's yeah, never but, but these, you know, centered in logical but those thoughts comments that they've go on actively for, sought out. And but, but that's what it is. It'll be three, three, four months out, and people are still acting like that. It, it's not just an initial reaction that they haven't had time to reflect or anything like that. Uh, that, that. At some point, reaction time. I'm using quotation marks. Wears off, and you're just being an asshole, right? Like it, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're out of line. You're out of place. Uh, you, you, you know, you've, you've lost your right to use the internet that day. Like you're done for the day. <laughs> you know, like somebody needs to, you know, take that away from you for a day and be in timeout for a little bit. It, it's it, it just it doesn't make sense. I've I've never I've never been able to understand that. You know, there's there's a, a growing demographic in gaming. Uh, women are slowly taking over. You look at the the younger ratios. The ESA puts out a yearly stat of of women in gaming, uh, and year after year between eighteen to some other age, or I think maybe something to eighteen, women make up a, a much larger majority than than males do uh that play video games uh the average age of the female gamer is 44 average age of female or a male gamer is uh, i think like 35 or 34 or something like that maybe even 36 35 you're correct so you know and and there are other demographics that are growing as well uh one of those uh links which i'll I'll provide uh in the show notes on the the google doc uh on on, from from the google doc and the show notes things like that was uh, they mentioned that the Latinos, this was in 2014, were one of the fastest growing gamer segments uh, at, at the time. Um, you, you know, so the idea that, number one, you can't fathom that somebody else might be 
I, I guess that that product wouldn't appeal to somebody. You know, w when you're sitting in that boardroom and, and you're deciding, you know, this should go or this shouldn't and this is why, th those factors shouldn't have to do with your demographics of what you're selling to. Um, that, that's how I feel about that. Uh, but before I go any further, Jay, I, I've kind of I've kind of spoke over you there. Uh, we we were we were talking about um, I don't know what we were talking about before I interrupt you there, Jay. Do you, do you recall? <laughs> oh yeah, we were just you know talking about just people being you know uncomfortable mm. with you know people they're not accustomed to playing as in their video games being not only in their video games but being potentially at the forefront of those That's games right. as in lead roles. So yeah, so you were going on why why. Do, do you have any kind of, of ideas? I mean, like, like I, you know, um, I, I kind of show the hypocrisy there of, of, of that crowd that, that does that kind of stuff. Do, do you see it in a different light? Do you have any kind of different perspective on that? What, what's your experience with that? I mean, I definitely agree with everything you said. I mean, it's, of course, ridiculous. It's irrational. A lot of it is childish and petulant. I mean, I, all those things I would definitely agree with. But at the same time, I mean, I actually in a lot of ways I always feel bad for those people and I understand them because right. it's like I'll give you an easy example so it's like you have kids imagine you know let's say you were the richest man in the world and you had you know let's say 500 billion dollars and let's just say hypothetically speaking from the time your kids were born to the time they're 23 they only lived in mansions and they used to play go-karts and Lamborghini Aventadors their entire lives and then when they turn 23, you suddenly drop them off in the middle of Compton and say, go figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> As you would imagine, not only are they not equipped for that scenario, they're probably not going to handle that pretty well, right? Right. That's essentially what, you know, a lot of white Caucasian people and definitely white males are going through right now with just entertainment in general. And you're definitely seeing it in the game space media in general has always been made and still is currently made for white men. So just like you mentioned that statistic oh. about Latinos and how often, you know, how big their, you know, their demographics and the game playing, you know, portion of the industry is, despite those numbers, they're not going to make video games for Latinos. And there's a really clear reason because they make video games for, you know, for white males. And of course, you know, they're not, you know, that they know African-Americans and women, children and Latinos, Asians, and all these other demographics are going to play their games, but then they are never going to be, at least in you know the immediate next 10, 15 years, they're never going to be the target demographic because it's because of what I mentioned before. If you're anything other than a white male, you've spent your entire life watching hundreds of movies, hundreds of TV shows, playing hundreds or thousands of games with white male leads. So everyone's used to it at this point. So even if you want something different, you know, you are supporting mafia 3 or watchdogs or tomb raider or, you know any other game that's going in a different direction in terms of lead characters and story at the end of the day you're probably still playing a lot of those games and yeah, again not, that's not a bad thing but i think that is just what, what happens is because everyone is accustomed to those games and is buying those games it's easy to continue making that the target demographic because no one's just like we mentioned there are people who are protesting and up in arms against mafia 3 there was no one protesting and up in arms against uncharted 4 <laughs> right. You know, there was no one up in arms protesting against The Witcher Three. Right. Or, and in, and I want to put Witcher Three in a little bit of a different category because it's a Polish studio and they were telling a Polish story, which is also a very much a minority in video games. But you you understand what I'm what I mean right. in the larger context. No, no, I, yeah, so well, you know, so you know, with, with those kinds of things, that's what the industry looks at, and it's like you know, we can make 
a game with and and not just you know we always got to be more specific not even just with white male leads it's very specific and it's a reason almost all of the main characters in video games look like they could be brothers because it's again it's focus tested it's demographic tested they know what they're going for in the characters they create you know they focus test these things and they see what people think so it's always a very particular type of male lead character He's middle-aged. He's at his athletic prime. You know, that's why, you know, they always have, like, 5 o'clock rust, and they're, like, kind of buff. Right. Again, it's like they all, like, if you look at those, I mean, I have, like, a meme that I had got years ago that I saved where it has, like, Marcus Phoenix, Nathan Drake, Nico. It has, like, 50 different male characters in huge games that have come out in the last 10 years, and they all look like they could be brothers and cousins. But that's why, because that look is the look that has proven to work. And it's like, even though you have, you know, games with minorities that have done really, really well, there aren't enough of them yet doing so well that, it, you know, the industry is going to be the norm to, okay, let's go in this other direction. And again, as I said, I'm really hoping just on a personal level that Mafia 3 does well, that Watch Dogs 2 and Horizon Zero Dawn, that these kinds of games do well, because, you know, the industry as a whole for growth, I mean, not even just in terms, I mean, we talked a lot about, you know, just diversity in a vacuum, but we didn't even really even just talk about story. That's the bigger part of the problem from my perspective is that, I mean, when you look at like the renaissance that television is going through right now, that has a lot to do with it. There's not a coincidence that, you know, there's all these groundbreaking, amazing shows. At the same time, you're starting to get all this burgeoning, you know, diversity in television in Hollywood is because now you have all these diverse stories that you couldn't have told before. I mean, when you look at like Orange is the New Black, it's pretty much an entirely female cast in a prison. And there are hundreds, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the show. There are hundreds of stories on that show from the Latino women, from the black women, from the white women, just all the different women in there with their individual and combined perspectives that you could never get otherwise. And it's like, whenever I see these kind of things, I always imagine how this would be amazing in a game. And it's like when I saw The Wire, when I saw Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or any of these kinds of shows, I always just imagine those things in the game space. And at its core, when I think about entertainment, that's what I'm always thinking about is storytelling. Storytelling is the the bedrock fundamental aspect of every aspect of entertainment. And when you, again, even outside of, you know, being moral and fair and everything else, like I said, all those things are great and we always hope and pray, you know, that those things will grow in prevalence in the industry but even just from a bottom line perspective the way i've always looked at it is when you're more inclusive more women more minorities more children more elderly people when you latinos asians islamic people when you add more people and more stories to your narrative you can tell broader and better stories and i feel like that's something you know the games industry still has such a long way to go with because it's like like i said like you know we talked about in the pre-show it's like we're really like gaming has really morphed into film in a lot of the best ways and a lot of the worst ways so in the best ways you know cinematically the stories that are being told and stuff like uncharted 4 i mean is incredible i don't i don't agree with that statement at all it it, i don't i don't think uh just in a separate from our conversation the idea that uh they're they're like movies i think there are some comparisons as far as the cinematic stuff uh or maybe even the influence culturally that video games has uh like movies uh but i mean there are two very different processes one is something you interact with and 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 tell what to do uh, versus the other is a, an experience laid out for you. They want you to, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's oh, no, no, different. that okay. part is, is totally different. Okay. I'm speaking just All right. to approach. I'm sorry. Approach in I'm terms sorry. 
Okay. The business is the exact same. I mean, it's like a lot of the same people. Because again, you know, like we've talked about on the show before, a lot of the publishers for games, they don't have games backgrounds. In most of the cases, they don't even play video games. So they, especially like I said, when we're talking about the Activisions and the Ubisofts, the Take-Twos and the EA Electronic Arts, they have the same mentalities and mindsets and do a lot of the same practices that movie companies do with their tent poles. I mean, when you look at how Activision does Call of Duty, it's the exact same way you know, Disney is handling Star Wars right now. <laughs> so, you know, right. and that's in terms of business and all those things, right. the approach is very similar. And in that sense, I feel like they've morphed into Hollywood. In particular, just our paradigm for what to make and why. And in that sense, it's like, I mean, when I look at, when I see most film trailers now, I just cringe because it's like everything has become a convoluted action movie. And why is that? Because that's the only thing outside of like superhero movies and licensed things that people in large numbers are going to see. It's the same thing for video games. A lot of the, you know, the big AAA stuff is action, first-person shooter. It's like a lot of the same things, a lot of the same kind of characters, a lot of the same kind of stories. And in that sense, I think they've sort of fallen into that trap because it's like, you know, it's a lot of the same audience. Yeah. The movie audience and the game audience, it's the person buying that movie ticket is also the person buying, you know, Gears of War 4 this holiday. Well, you know, the, to go back to the difference between you know the the line between movies and video games, they too are going through. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is undermining, but the growing pains of being inclusive as well. Uh, you know, from having women in predominant roles that don't fit into stereotypes, uh, which I mean, they're doing that as well, and people are progressing towards these things, and it's great that we're making these strides, uh, and that we're eventually pushing to get there. Um, you know, uh, when the Oscars happened, there was uh, the hashtag Oscars so white. That's that's an outcry of people asking to be you know recognized uh, in, in the same industry. And when you look at the the games industry, people are also asking to be recognized uh, as a demographic that would also like to be a main protagonist or have some kind of relevant uh, weight in a story that's not uh, a shoehorn or de- derogatory, right? Unless it, exactly. it, it's right. necessary for that, right? Uh, like if you're playing Grand Theft Auto, that's almost expected, right? Like they 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 do that kind of thing, uh, but we're talking about uh, you know as, as far as the, the 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 political commentary and stuff like that. Like they'll do things on purpose sometimes. Exactly. Um, but uh, for, for, there are exceptions, right? That that's an example of the exception. I also think that uh, you know it's 2016. Social media plays a huge influence uh, for you know movie studios uh, to to video game studios. Uh, social media, I feel like, provides like a tangible, I guess, a tangible idea of what your audience is, right? Like, if you have a huge outcry to have, you know, Donald Glover in the next Spider-Man movie, preferably Spider-Man, uh, and it eventually, you know, gets done. I don't know if that was the influence of social media or not, uh, but you know, things like that have happened before, and that's great. Uh, it, it lets those people know, it lets those people, whether they're in corporations or the people behind the cameras that are doing the work, uh, or people that are on set acting, or people that are putting together the games, uh, whatever it is, it lets them know that there is a tangible people you can interact with and ask, uh, people that are vocal about it. You can see those people on social media, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, social media, uh, Reddit as well. I mean, if you know, you're know you dev, you can go into a Reddit forum, you're God. You know, help you. I uh, hope you don't come out crying in the fetal position, but that is also there as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I I, I I feel like the you know my, my point was number one that uh, to 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 create that that uh, line between the the, the movies uh, as well as video games. 
uh, as well as a lot of things going outside of, of the entertainment medium, right? Like just as uh, nationally and, and globally, there's a lot of change uh, with being in- inclusive, uh, all those things like that as well. So I'm, I, 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 and the second point was that, that social media drives that point home. It gives a tangible voice uh, from that demographic, whatever that might be, whether, you know, women, uh, disabled, uh, the LBGT community, uh, uh, whatever it is, they, they have a tangible way to interact and get that feedback from them to even see how many people uh, will interact with that. I think that's a huge influence uh, when you're talking about things as you know, today. We're looking at, at game studios today that do things as well as movie studios. I think that plays a huge factor. and I think that's good. I think being able to communicate and break down those walls and barriers is huge. Uh, and hopefully that continues to drive forward in many aspects of life, not just video games and, and, and media. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, the outcry for those things and the uh, the ability to, to, to see that uh, seems, seems a little more impactful than, uh, you know, just reading uh, sometimes a forum online by yourself kind of deal, like an article or something. Um, you have any thoughts on the importance of social media for, like, the kind of, movement we're seeing in video games or the, the entertainment industry as a whole, Jay? I mean, I definitely echo your sentiments. I definitely think definitely in today's world for everything, for sports, for entertainment, for news, that has become sort of the driving engine behind how big corporations and entertainment and everything, you know, sort of gauge what interest is, how people feel about stuff, you know, so it's like, you know, with something like the Fantastic Four movie that was the total bomb that it was last year, if you had, you know, been tracking it on social media, it's like you could tell well in advance of that coming out that there wasn't a lot right. of buzz, that people weren't really excited about it. So definitely, I definitely agree that it, it is definitely the pri- it has become the primary method of that. And then on the other side of it, I definitely, like, you know, we talked about with people with games voting with your wallet, I definitely would also, you know, recommend people vote with their social media accounts as well. It's be vocal, you know, send, you know, you know hopefully as we've talked about in the past, please don't send people death threats please don't be rude and incendiary and crude to people but in a positive professional manner conveyed to you know at ubisoft at ea go look up i mean i do it all the time go look up the individual developers who work at these places and send them tweets you know hey i would love to see this i think this would be effective because X, you know, and I've had so many conversations like that and really built so many relationships. I mean, like I said, I think I've talked about it on the show. I mean, I got an invite to the Evolve, to the Big Alpha, and eventually the Beta, because, you know, I had a conversation like that with the creative director of Evolve. And then, you know, we sort of, like, built, like, a budding, like, friendship, and we've had a bunch of conversations after that. Again, I eventually obviously bought the game, and it's like, you know, I've had those kind of interactions with Rockstar Games with a bunch of different, you know, huge you know varying size social you know social media gurus who are the social media managers individual developers and like i said we've talked about on the show i mean with the long dark i talked to the creative director of the long dark all the time and i'm probing his mind about the game about gaming in general you know because obviously that game is still in alpha and you know it's supposed i think it's it's still slated for summer release but it's like you know we have conversations all the time and i think that facilitates so much of my perception of the game of the studio i ask questions if i have a criticism if i don't like something we have constructive conversations i think that's the kind of thing i would definitely recommend to people you know who are i mean not necessarily again it's not necessarily for everybody but if you're someone who's hugely passionate about 
gaming, you know, the thing more than anything I would always recommend is seek out constructive conversation. Because it's like, you know, like we've talked about on the show, you'd be surprised how many people, both who are also fans or critics or people who work at these studios, love that feedback. Because again, you know, you can, we've talked about this a ton. It's like, you can't, you know, if someone sends you a death threat, hey, you delayed my game, I want to murder you, you can't do anything with that. Right. Versus, you know, um, let's give an example. We'll use No Man's Sky as an example because I just used it. You know, um, I'm really excited about the game, but I'm worried particularly about the UI and how that's going to facilitate controller design on the PlayStation 4 gamepad. That's something very specific. <laughs> and it's like, you know, those kinds of things, you know, particularly with, I mean, like I said, No Man's Sky, and that was a bad example because it's a game we haven't played yet, isn't out right. yet. But just with anything we play, those kinds of constructive, well-thought-out answers and questions, you know, are what developers are looking for. And you never know, it could be something that, you know, eventually gets added, well, or something that's in the cards for how they're thinking about game design in general for future titles. Yeah, It also highlights that if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> if all you got is a death threat, just give it to yourself. Tell yourself you want to kill the guy, give it to yourself. Like, you don't need to tell him that. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Uh, that, that, maybe that's not the right way to approach that, but you understand what I mean, though, right? Definitely. All right, very good. Before I put my foot in my mouth, I'll stop there. You know, the, I, I don't know if, if we're going to go too much further on about this. Uh, you know, one, one of the things you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, as we're winding down the, the podcast here a little bit, uh, you, you mentioned something about, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, you mentioned... Uh, you know, as 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 growing up, as as you're watching, you know, reading stories, watching stories unfold on TV. You know, that's that's fantasy, right? If it's not real, it's it, it's fantasy. Uh, to exactly. Extent, especially as a kid, you're watching, you know, Power Rangers, uh, X Men. You know, that that kind of stuff. It's all fantasy. Uh, we're not even talking about sci-fi stuff. That that applies to it too, right? So, you know, as kids, you enjoy that. Because, uh, you know, sometimes, number one, it doesn't paint the protagonist, uh, sometimes a, a certain ethnicity or anything like that. But aside from that, uh, you know, the, 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 the place of agency is different. But aside from that, you, you get to explore different worlds and have different experiences through somebody else's eyes. Uh, for video games, it is a direct medium on you interacting with something. It has a more impactful uh, uh, meaning, uh, emotional uh, weight. Uh, than something like a movie, you know, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm a crier at movies. I cry at movies. Uh, I mean, shit, I cry at uh, Tinkerbell movies. All right, like I, I get into it. Like I put myself in the other person's shoes. I get into it. All right. Um, you can dog me about that later. We don't need to do that now. No, I cry in movies too. I cry right. on Titanic. <laughs> I cried in the boy in the striped pajamas. I could go down the list. So <laughs> the thing is, if, if, if it's something that we desire as a people to immerse ourselves into a story, uh, whether it be movies, a book, a video game, and, and it's because we want to experience something new, why would we shy away from experiencing something new if it's just to deal with, you know, like Mafia 3 with racism, why you're also getting to be a badass mobster. Like, it's, uh, you know, why would you shy away from those things and shun those things from uh, a female Thor to, uh, you know, a disabled Spartan, whatever it is, right? Like, why would you, I, I, and that's more of a rhetorical question. That's not for you to answer, Jay. It's more of a rhetorical question of, you know, why, why not be on board for experiencing something new when you're already on board for fantasy. 
if you're already on board for interacting with, uh, you know, your, your master chief, uh, why not have some diversity to his crew? Why not have a woman? Why not have uh, a, a, a person of color? Uh, there, there's so many different options there and, and things and so much room for growth as an industry uh, and as a culture, as a society in general, uh, that we need to get to a place where not necessarily we, we you know we don't see color, but that we see it all all the same, right? Like this is a great experience for me to see if this you know you, you, you know if it's gears of war and you know the there's no distinguishing factors that deal with race or anything like that. The guy is just African American. What the hell does it matter anyways, right? That's great that somebody can just relate to somebody they see on TV. Uh, you know there are studies after studies. Of thousands and thousands of children uh, that back that 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 seeing somebody uh, that is like you on TV helps build self-esteem and self-confidence. Like that is a fact. If you're watching TV and playing video games and all you see is a white male, uh, you know, like it, it it only increases. You know, and, and, and this is studies, guys. This is not just somebody's 24-hour game and the the kid felt like he was you know the Incredible Hulk. That's that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about over time and things like that. It shows that these people have, you know, a a better chance of self-reflection and seeing a better side of themselves through superheroes, through video game characters, things like that. And if all it includes is just a little more time and effort, uh, or maybe just asking a few questions, uh, let's it's it's all fancy. Let's enjoy the fantasy. Like let's 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 just go for the ride and see where it goes. Enjoy it. It's it's not you. It's you experiencing something. Uh, I think the reason people get so passionate about video games it's very it's very visceral, right? There's very uh, you, you get to control. It, it, it's very immediate. Um, but you see this happen in film as well. So you know my question as a rhetorical question to, to anybody that that is impartial or that that doesn't like this topic feels uncomfortable with it if you've made it this far in the podcast uh <laughs> then you haven't lost you yet <laughs> right uh, you know just just ask I, I don't i don't understand the question why 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 not uh you know why can't fantasy be experienced for everybody uh, as opposed to just one demographic uh that's just and why get upset about it i don't get it um jay uh just uh, you know i like i said we're trying to wind down here a little bit uh, obviously I ran it on for like 10 minutes there, so we're not in a big rush or anything, but, uh, you have any, any final thoughts or, I mean, obviously I'm not trying to cut the conversation short. Uh, if it goes on for another 30 minutes, I'm fine too. You have any other thoughts on, uh, the subject, anything else you want to say or rebuttal to or. Oh no, definitely no rebuttal. I mean, I pretty much, you know, we're pretty much in lockstep on this stuff. I mean, I think the other thing that I thought about before that I didn't get to emphasize, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the demographics of the people who make games and writers and things like that. I think the thing I wanted to emphasize too is another really big thing. I mean, you covered about you covered half of it, which is you know, getting inclusive and getting more people of color, more women in positions of game development, game development and writing, storyboarding and all those things, getting more, you know, inclusive in that. But I think the other side of that too is I think we have to be more conscious of the stories. So you actually cover, you actually mentioned this as well. It's like, if you're someone who grew up, this is, is an example, you grew up in San Francisco, grew up in an, you know, upper middle class neighborhood and, you know, everyone around you was Caucasian you're, you know, that's your life experience. But it's, if that's your life experience, you know, that's perfectly fine, of course. But if you're writing, for example, a Latina, 40-year-old Latino woman named Myrtle, 
it's going to be really hard for you to, you know, cover a lot of the bases and really fill out that character just in terms of writing because right. you don't really have those experiences. So like you mentioned before, I think a big point of emphasis in the industry needs to be doing the legwork if you don't even if you do have the experiences or some experience with things going out of your way to add ask other people read books do the research so like i said i think i might have told this story on the show before but i have again my shameless rockstar plug i mention them every week i have you know a book that was written like amazing book written by about rockstar games by a writer named david kushner about you know the history of the gta games about dma which you know has it's in turn become rockstar and in there you know a lot of the things they talk about one of the f- most fascinating stories was when they began working on grand theft auto san andreas which was at the time you know was one of the first games on the playstation 2 it might be the first like triple a game with an african-american lead character they have a whole chapter just talking about the process of them beginning to make that that game and you know the guys the creators of the gta series you know the two head guys who are the head writers are from the uk they're british so in their writing when they're writing scripts when they're writing characters they naturally have a lot of british isms in their writing and you know they read their initial scripts for san andreas which was, you know, predominantly an African-American story centered in, you know, Los Angeles. And, you know, they looked, they read their script and was like, this isn't going to work. So to your point that you made earlier about going to outside forces for help, they brought in DJ Pooh, who's a friend of Ice Cube, who was the co-writer of the movie Friday. They brought him in to co-write the script of San Andreas with them. And that, you know, is why that game, the story, the characters, the writing, everything is so authentic and on point because they brought in not even just DJ Pooh. They brought in gang members. They brought in all kinds. I mean, there's stories about people being lined up around blocks to be able to audition, to play to play the voice of certain characters in San Andreas. And it was like that attention to detail is evident in all their games. I mean, like I said, I've talked about it on Twitter over the years a ton. I mean, like Grand Theft Auto... San Andreas and Grand Theft Auto V, they have extremely accurate sort of renditions of the Bloods and Crip gangs. I mean, you know, which is, of course, the Ballers and Grove Street family are the Bloods and the Crips. They didn't just slap that into the game and say, okay, you know, we're going to, you know, mimic these games as like a parody and, you know, as or like a joke. They did the time and took the research i mean it was when you there's so many little things in the game if you know what you're looking for it's like wow they have this they have this they're referencing things <laughs> that are like yeah. gang culture history that you would have had to do extensive research to even know the to be cuts. referencing <laughs> so they do that for everything and it's like that yeah. is how you do it those guys you know the, the creators despite having you know back-to-back game of the year extremely successful greatest game of all time kind of games in GTA 3 and Vice City, they had enough sense to recognize we're dealing with something here that's vastly different. Let's bring in a lot of different people who are different than us, who are familiar with this and let them help us. And it's, that's how you got to do it. And it's like, you know, like I said, back to the original example of, you know, middle upper middle class, you know, white male writing for a 40 year old latina woman named myrtle it's we're all we all have biases we all have different sensibilities and it's like you know i think a lot of the time in today's world we kind of like spend a lot of time harping on those things 
but it's like we all have those so it's like that in and of itself isn't a big deal but it's how you choose to deal with that so it's like when you're in a position where you're writing characters or stories like i said it's just about knowing what you don't like just life in general it's just about knowing what you don't know right. and it's like if that isn't your life experience if you don't have a lot of experience with those things like you mentioned with the internet and books and people there's so much information out there so it's you know by all means, make it the best story possible. Because like the final example I wanted to give to the inverse is really important. It's like the final thing, just the final thing I'll say about the whole conversation is just back to what I said about how you know story is sort of the bedrock foundation of all entertainment. So much of the problem, even when people have goodwill and they want to you know do what they can to sort of bring diversity to film, television books and games is if you don't do it right if you don't do a good job it almost does as much if not more damage than if you didn't do it at all and that part of it is unfortunate but it is also very real it's you know the example i was going to give is jj abrams you know who directed star wars the force awakens he previously did a tv show called undercover you know he was someone who was very sensitive to and recognized and wanted to be a part of the solution to the lack of diversity on television and in the writers room and you know he did he crafted an original show about two detectives two african american detectives one male one woman and you know it you know the the concept and everything else seemed solid but ultimately the show you know, wasn't successful, didn't last long, didn't, you know, didn't even have a full season. And, you know, when he talks about it now, what he talks about is, again, what you see a lot happens. And I think this is also what a lot of people fear, too, is his heart was in the right place, but it was like he didn't really write, he didn't put his energy into writing a purely good story as much as it was about the novelty of, okay, hey, you know, this black man and this black woman. And I think that is, like I said, a huge thing that we have to get past as well. It's like I said, the thing I talk about all the time, write really good stories, write really good characters. If you do that, if they're a woman, if they're an elderly person, if they're disabled, if they have cancer, any of these things, that doesn't become the story. It becomes a part of the story versus becoming the story. So like like I mentioned, you know, Bonnie McFarlane, Farland in Red Dead Redemption, or Elizabeth Torres in Grand Theft Auto Four. I mean, these were such amazing characters. I never thought of them as women. And like you were talking about before, you know, when you were growing up, you know, what your experiences were like with games. Obviously, as an African American male, mine was the opposite. It was like I had never even really thought about race in terms of video games growing up, because you know there weren't really any African Americans in video games. You know, in the Super Nintendo, Nintendo, Game Boy, in that era, that you know, a lot of the characters were animals, animal familiar kind of characters. So, during that time, you know, it was just a different time. So, I never even thought about it. And then I always remember the first time I played Grand Theft Auto Three, and I, you know, like I think I might have told this story on the, one of the, the early episodes of the show as well. Well, it's like in the very beginning of the game, the first cutscene. Obviously, you're playing as Claude Speed, but a black guy breaks you out of jail, and I always remember being like shocked. Because I remember that initial feeling of like, wow, you know, not partly that it was a black guy because it was that was like a new experience for me at the time, and then partly because he felt really, really authentic, not authentic to a black person, but an authentic person right. in a vacuum. It's like I could imagine him being my next door neighbor and him, you know, you know, asking me, you know, to borrow some creamer for coffee. So it was, <laughs> it was like that, and that is the core of Do you, have any you know that? where this industry and all these industries have to go. Is you just got to make really good characters, and if you do that, that's the best way you can help all these 
forms of diversity. And as like you mentioned, you don't want to shoehorn these things in. And I think, you know, back to, to, to conclude it for me, I think that's the concern a lot of people understandably have. Like you're talking about, you know, the black female Iron Iron Man or, you know, the the new Thor, or the new Spider Man, all these things. Whatever it's it is, yeah. it's ultimately about the story. And I think in a lot of cases particularly with Marvel, they've been struggling with it because like I said with the JFJ Abrams thing their heart's in the right place, but if you don't write good stories for these characters, you're almost doing more damage both ways to the original character as well as, you know, whatever the, the character you're trying to see is. So it's why we're, you know, I've, again, I'm not a comic book person, but I've, I, I read a lot, so I have a general consensus understanding of, like, you know, what most people think about, like, particularly, like, Miles Morales, you know, the, the black slash, you know, Dominican Spider-Man character. And it's like, by all intents and purposes, he's a pretty good character, but the stories they had for him weren't really that good. And it's like, you know, so that was the primary reason, you know, his, even though, you know, Marvel's retained them, it's like, he's not really, you know, being featured in a way that some perhaps think he should. And he's probably in a, a long way away from being in the cinematic universe because it's, you haven't really given him great stories. So it's like that thing, you know, comes back to the original thing with all these things. It's you have right. to write great characters and then everything else will work itself out. And so, like I said, once you're thinking about it, like I said, obviously with Eight Ball and Grand Theft Auto Three, because that was the first, that was why I thought about it. But over time, like once I got past Eight Ball, obviously Siege. I mean, the like San Andreas. I mean, again, I can never like describe that feeling the first time I saw the trailer for San Andreas, and it wasn't just oh wait, the the main character is black. It's the setting and the pretty much the entire main cast is an African-American cast. Because as we all know, all the elder GTA games were sort of tropes of a combination of movies. So the original right. GTA 3 was, you know, Godfather, um, Goodfellas, stuff like that. And then Vice City is like Scarface. No, Scarface and Goodfellas for Vice City. And then San Andreas is Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, stuff like that. So it's like, you know, seeing, I remember that feeling the first time seeing that trailer and the shock that, that, that you know, at the time was such a, even if they did that today, it's still such a radical thing. It's just something you don't see. So, you know, those kinds of things were special. But at the same time, it's like when you do a really good job, I mean, when I think about San Andreas now, I don't really think as much about, you know, the African-American component of it as much as this was a really good story. This was a great world. And not to mention, there were a lot of great characters in that game that weren't African-American. Except, you know, Obviously, it's like GTA games and Rockstar games always do a really, really good job with diversity. Right. But, you know, it's, you know, just to spin it all back home, it's all about, you know, just writing purely good content. That being the initial focus. And then if it happens to be a woman, and that's again, not to say, you know, for women and minorities that there don't have to be, of course, be concerted efforts as well because of, you know, some of the glaring disproportions in certain areas that there have to be, you know, clearly defined attempts but at the same time just being mindful as writers to just write really good stories write really good characters rather than trying to make you know focus on the novelty haha he's native american haha you know she's an alcoholic like you know make Some, that a backdrop into something larger sometimes it pays off to just listen to somebody who has a different experience than just you know the opposite of that exactly yeah well, um, Jay, you have anything else to add to this conversation, man? I, I, I don't know. I, I would say there's, we've, uh, there's, there's a lot to go in for this conversation. We could still probably go on for another hour. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to it, uh, but, but ultimately, uh, I, I, I think the industry uh, as a whole, uh, hopefully society, uh, as uh, speaking outside of just our video game world here on the podcast, uh, all moves in the right direction. 
Uh, I think that's going to be kind of hand in hand as well as how that plays out. But uh, hopefully, uh, this continues to be a uh, a more trending thing that people are are give, being thoughtful about uh, experiences for other people. Uh, th- something we didn't even touch on is uh, uh, people, you know, disabilities. Uh, you know, to a certain degree of you know the ability to play controllers and color blindness, things like that. There are people that are making strides. That. Yeah, um, there are people that are making huge strides in that. There are organizations that make huge strides in that. So uh, you know, I, I think I think we're getting there. Uh, I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done, uh, but I I feel good with with where we're going. Not necessarily where we're at. Uh, like I said, again, these these this conversation doesn't mean that uh, there's not inclusion in any gaming or entertainment industry or anywhere else. It's just that could always be better. Um, Jay, you have anything to add to that, or? Um, yeah, just just to finish off for me, like I said, similar to you. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're definitely beginning to really make some significant progress and some strides. And in particular, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, some of the stuff that has been done in recent years, I've really really loved. Like definitely, like we didn't talk about it a ton on the show. I mean, you mentioned it more than I did. I mean, definitely for women in video games, particularly in leading roles, getting past sort of the sex symbol thing and them just getting to be people. I mean, I think, like, with the Tomb Raider reboots, they've done an amazing job sort of recrafting Laura into a grounded I, mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of cleavage at all. Which... No, there's none and I, I'm, in I'm either sorry. game. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a two minds of that conversation, right? Like, at one point, I don't want the over-sexualization, uh, over-sexualization of the character to be what sells the game or to be like what they think is the touting point of the game. But at the same time, like if a woman wants to dress sexy and be a badass at the same time, like that's totally fine too. Like Bayonetta. Um, right. But at the point I'm at is, is when I see these things, I see these things and you know, I am protective. Uh, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist, things like that. So some of the, you know, my personality, things like that are ingrained to me uh, as being like protected to my daughter. But uh, you know, when, we watch TV and things like that. She she's a little overweight. She's a big girl. Like she's four years old and as tall as like a first grader, uh, and and some weight to, to to back on that. And you know she's healthy. She's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I you know I'm not. Uh, but you know when you see Wonder Woman uh, on the DC superheroes cartoon, you see the toys, uh, Rapunzel. Uh, you know video game character after video game character that she may play from. Uh, I, I can't think of anything for now. Uh, one, one game was Zeros. Uh, even the princesses from Rayman are all stick thin. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's nuance to, you know, both people of color, women, uh, making games accessible, uh, highlighting people uh, with disabilities, uh, the LBG t- uh, t- community. There's a lot of nuance to each, each one of those. Uh, you know, and at, we even talked about this before the podcast, that this conversation usually tends to go towards race and we kind of fed into that a little bit as well but i think we 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 discussed some other topics as well and highlighted that as well but um you know going back to what studies show and and our experiences as well when you have somebody to relate to on the screen whether you're controlling that with your controller or watching it through a movie or tv um if somebody is more like you uh, whether it be your size uh your shape uh your formation of your body whether everything's there or not, uh, the tone of your skin, uh, as simple as these ideas are, those things are tremendously important, uh, almost as a subconscious message to them as to what they need to be uh, and what's normal, what's beautiful, uh, things like that as well. Um, 
you know, the the further you delve into these topics, uh, the more polarizing it gets. That this is a real issue that's indicative of our culture and society. Um, so I I think uh, you know going going forward with this conversation in general, uh, I think the more we talk about it, the more we 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 face that issue um, and uh, face the the irrationality, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, I've first called being an asshole because uh, you the, there there are facts. Uh, and there is a right and wrong in life. Uh, yeah, I, as that goes forward, I, I hope we see more in- inclusionary uh, things, especially for such things as you know uh, different sizes uh, of people, uh, all that stuff that I listed as well. Um, I, I guess those are my final thoughts on that as well. You have anything to, to add to that, Jay? Um, I mean, yeah, definitely to what you just mentioned. I mean, I think you know. Like I said, I I tried to hit on it a little bit earlier. I think, you know, with gaming, it's such, even though it's been around for 30, 40, 50 years now, it's still such a relatively young media. Yeah. And like I said, it's why it's probably the biggest reason why I use the movie industry comparison, because we sort of think about story and games a lot like how we think about cinema and it's like you mentioned there's so many more things with games that we can do that you can't do in cinema and i feel like we're just now beginning to especially on the pc side like you mentioned was like papers please and gone home with those kinds of games we're starting to challenge conventional even conventional game design what is a video game what is story what kind of story can you tell and i think you know over the next 10 15 20 years with vr ar and everything else i think it's about more so than just better graphics and better gameplay. It's about expanding how we tell story. And I think that's going to be really, you know, really we saw a lot of that. I mean, definitely last generation was a huge leap in terms of video game story with I me mean, with the Mass Effects and, you know, right. the Dragon Ages and the Walking Dead, the Telltale's Walking Dead. I mean, last generation was Bioshock Infinite, Bioshock. I mean, it's incredible story. And I think, you know, right. we're going to continue to see that evolution. And I think the next phase of that is about telling, like I mentioned with, you know, the example of Orange is the New Black on Netflix, telling broader and more diverse stories. And, you know, whatever, whatever means of game design, whether that's a telltale point and click adventure kind of story or whether it's you know quick time events like your god of war kind of a game or real time events like a witcher 3 with cutscenes. like you know all those things are going to vary but i think just at its core whereas right now like i said similar to film like the tentpole games are very much like triple a entertainment immerse yourself power fantasy action experiences i think we're going to start to you know tap into other aspects of life that have never really been featured in video games i just thought about it I would love to, you know, see either as the focus or in some kind of a big way, something like, you know, pregnancy and childbirth from the perspective of a woman in video games or, you know, being a Jewish person during the Holocaust. I mean, there are just so many different things that, you know, you could do millions of different things with exactly through some many different ways directly and indirectly in video game story and gameplay with any of those things and i think that's the stuff in the next 10 15 20 years we're going to start to tap into is it's going to stop just becoming i mean it's 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 pretty much in that beginning stages of that now but it's going to no longer just be you know entertainment whereas it's going to be everything every aspect of life racism employment happiness sadness depression sickness disease 
you know, all the different aspects of life are going to be encapsulated in video games rather than just being your go-to for entertainment. Like I said, we're beginning to get there, but it's it's still very much not even in its in that aspect of it. Not, not even in its infancy yet. So just, you know, to conclude for me, I'm really, really interested to sort of see where that kind of stuff in the next 10, 15 years goes for video games. Because I think, you know, I think at its core, I think, and I think you would agree with me on this, it's like, I think people like us, people like who've been playing video games for a while, I think we're aspirational. And I think we want that for games because I think that's the best thing for games. I think that's the power of video games is that, I mean, I was talking to someone yesterday about it on Twitter I mean, you know, playing the Forza Motorsport games has gotten me into NASCAR, F1. I mean, all these different racing things that I would have never watched ever, would have had never had a connection to. I now watch and I'm a fan of because of the gateway of Forza. I watch soccer now religiously because of FIFA. Madden, I played Madden for years before I ever actually started watching the NFL, and I had that gateway because of Madden. So with everything, that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest power of video games is that gateway quality that it really, you know, brings you into experiences you would have never experienced otherwise. And like we talk about, like, you know, as two men, <laughs> like something like pregnancy and childbirth, those are like the kind of things like directly, you know, obviously right. we're never going to give birth to children. We can never have those experiences. So to have some meaningful reflection of that in the game space, you know, could totally enhance or change how we view pregnancy and childbirth or cancer or, you know, polio i mean they're just you know just every aspect of life big small moderate you know there's so many different things that we could cover historically and currently and in in a myriad of different facets and just on a personal level that i'm really really excited to see that for video games i think i said i think that's gonna really change and evolve the medium i will have to save that for like uh the games i like to to play episode man that that's a whole that's a whole different uh avenue there uh, but I, I agree with that. I, you know, my wife's a, a NICU nurse, so you know, seeing the uh, emotional input uh, that she tells me. Though, of course, there's no names given or anything. There's no HIPAA violation. Uh, but uh, the emotional stress that parents uh, go through um, is just uh, something different with that. And, you know, not to negate other people that go through childbirth, but having to have a premature child uh, and take care of that emotionally, financially, things like that is something that uh, is an incredible feat. Uh, to be done. So, um, I'm sorry. That was just something I've rambled on there about. Uh, aside from that, Jay, uh, if you want to get a hold of you, where would they look to? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Twitch at jreadvix 7 How about for you, Greg? Yeah, man. Same here. Not the Instagram or the Twitch. So I guess just Twitter uh, at that Greg McGee. It's M A G E E. Uh, now, of course, you can contact the podcast for questions, topic ideas, and anything else you want to share with us on Twitter. And that'll be at, at SOG Discussion. It's the shortest handle we could get. Uh, email us at the state of gaming discussion at, email, at gmail.com, not email.com. That does not exist that I'm aware of. We promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, feel free to subscribe, follow, and or leave a rating on iTunes, SoundCloud. Now, this week's musician is a rock duo from uh, Clearwater, Florida. They're called the Rise Brothers. They can be found on uh, Twitter at Rise Brothers, which is R-I-E-S, and then Brothers, uh, and on their website at R-I-E-S-Brothers.com, which I assume is Rise. Uh, As always, I hope you all have a great day, and we'll see you again next week. Enjoy. (laughs) 
Thank you. 